Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. everyone, this is your host Kelly from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. These stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. Most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. The Storytellers Live team is continually praying and brainstorming about how we can best serve and encourage our communities and also our podcast listeners. So we have put together a very brief survey and posted it on our website, which is storytellerslive.org. And we would be so grateful if you would take a moment to fill it out. It will probably take you less than two minutes, but the information that we can gather through the survey will just be really helpful to us as we plan for the future. Today, you'll hear from Katie Bogle on her journey with mental illness, which started at the age of 18. And since then, Katie has struggled with doubts that God could use her to make a difference unless she was perfectly healthy. But she never gave up. And in the last year, Katie has launched her own podcast. It's called The Untethered Podcast, and you can find it on iTunes. And it encourages women to move forward in their God-given purpose, no matter what their circumstances look like. We do not have to have it all together for God to use us. We've just got to keep showing up. And that's a truth that every single one of us needs to hear. Here's Katie. Well, hi, everyone. Um, I'm so, so honored to be here today and to get to share um, a little bit or a lot, hopefully not too much of my story with you. Just um, I'm really honored to be a part of Storytellers. And um, this is just a really (coughs) wonderful place where we get to share. And so I'm Thank you for having me. Um, like Ashley said, I am. Uh, I live here in this area and love being a part of this community. And I have a husband. His name's Luke, and I have a two and a half year old named Jonah. And um, I, we are a church family. We both do work for Church of the Highlands, and I'm the social media director there. I work on the creative team. And um, it is just, we love it. We love working there. It is such a life-giving place, and um, we have gotten to live a lot of our story there. So I'm very grateful for it. And um, just to give you a little history on me, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, with a wonderful family. I really can't say enough about my family and the environment that my parents created for us growing up. I have a ton of awesome memories and my parents stayed together and I'm very grateful for that. And, um, it was just a really positive place to grow up. But what I wanted to mention was I am going to talk a lot about my journey with mental illness today, but that began really when I was 18. But my journey with illness in general started a lot earlier than that. So as a young child, I had really pretty severe childhood asthma. 
and um, I I was I was really sick, and I kind of had to grow up a little bit quickly and mature a little bit in that way. Um, I had, you know, dark circles under my eyes a lot and had to sleep sitting up and it was just kind of a scary thing. And even growing out of the childhood aspect of that asthma for most of my life, I had, um, really pretty severe exercise induced asthma as well. So I always had respiratory issues and I also just had a lot of other health issues. My eyesight deteriorated pretty fast when I was nine. And so I had to get glasses kind of suddenly. And I had lots of uh, vitamin deficiencies, iron deficiency, B12 deficiency. Um, The skin, the pigment on my skin, especially on my legs, changed. And so I have lots of different spots on my legs where my skin was just reacting to something. And um, I had acid reflux disease. And I had just like... Um, health issue after health issue. And we didn't really put any of the pieces together that they would all be related somehow. So I just kind of, we addressed each one individually. So we treated asthma with, you know, albuterol and we treated um, the vitamin deficiencies with supplements and those kinds of things. And so just along the way, I just dealt with a lot of sickness. And in college, I had bronchitis like five times a year. I was either getting it, having it, or recovering from it. So I was just constantly had a lot of respiratory issues, a lot of um, digestive issues. It was just a really strange, honestly, existence. But um, at the same time, I was really a carefree kid. Um, And my parents just really facilitated that environment for me to really live life to the fullest, even though I was I was sick. And then when I was 24, I found out that I have celiac disease. And what's crazy is celiac is, um, it basically creates a lack of nutrition in your body. Because when someone with celiac eats gluten, it wipes out the lining of your intestine. Your intestine is where your body absorbs nutrients from your food. So basically, everything that was affecting my body from my skin to my respiratory system was all being affected because I didn't have the nutrients that I needed to be healthy in my body. And so it was depleting different sources and it just affected, it just wreaked havoc over so many different areas. And what we didn't know, um, which is is actually really common side effect of celiac is mental illness. Because if you think about a lack of nutrients to your brain over time, what that would do. So for 24 years, I didn't know that gluten was causing this problem for me. And so by the time I was 18, I guess my brain had had enough and started going, we have a problem, we have a problem. And so um, it's interesting that, uh, I mean, I'm 30 now and I started, uh, addressing my mental health when I was 18. So I've been on this journey for 12 years now. And since I got off gluten when I was 24, I've seen a lot of healing in my life. I don't have any asthma now. I'm so grateful. Like my first year of Highlands college, I still didn't know I had celiac disease. That's my, the ministry school I attended. And there's a half marathon that's required of all students. And I wasn't medically cleared to do it, so I had to walk the whole thing. And the next year, I found out I had celiac. I got off of gluten. And... 
like eight months later was the marathon and I ran the whole thing and I didn't have a single respiratory issue. And that was like, I was just like living this miracle of healing that the Lord was providing through a diagnosis that just allowed me to take those steps. And it was a miracle. And, um, I don't have an iron deficiency anymore. I, um, I, I've experienced a lot of different kinds of healing. I don't have acid reflux disease anymore, but um, still, I'll have been off of gluten for seven years in September, and I still, obviously, still have to wear contacts. My eyes didn't get better. My pigment in my skin didn't get better, so I still have weird skin on my legs, and I still have to take medication for mental illness. And so there are, there are certain things that have had long-term effects for me. And so um, that's really why that journey began for me. And like I said, I was a really happy kid. Um, so you never really would have guessed that I would have a, a struggle with mental illness. And really my senior year, it just changed in a matter of months, really just a couple of months. It was kind of all of a sudden the way that I processed what was happening in the world and in my relationships and the people around me just started to change. Um, I became really irritable and easily frustrated and kind of snapping at people. And I was never that way. I was super easygoing and, and flexible. And I just became inflexible. And I experienced really deep sadness, which I couldn't explain because circumstantially my life hadn't changed at all. And like I said, my, my family life was great. I don't have anything in my past that happened to me as a child that was like resurfacing. I just, I didn't, I just suddenly had these deep, deep moments of sadness and really just got lost in my mind. Um, a lot, it's kind of rabbit hole of, of, of just, I don't know, kind of losing myself a little bit. And uh, I remember one time I kind of snapped at my dad for something really dumb, like that I normally wouldn't have reacted to at all. I took something he said really personally, and he was like, what is going on? Like, what is happening to you? And I was sad when he asked me because I realized that the the changes that I'd been experiencing in my head were affecting my relationships and then the way people saw me. But at the same time, it was a relief because that gave me the opportunity to actually talk about it. And so I... I was like, I'm seeing the world differently. I don't, I don't understand really what's happening to me. And my mom and my dad were both like, well, we're going to figure it out. We're going to go see somebody and we're going to figure out what's going on. And honestly, like if I can say any foundational way that I saw the Lord's goodness and experienced just a gift of blessing in my life was my parents from the very beginning of this journey, because they didn't question the legitimacy of what I was going through. They just were on my team. We're going to figure it out. We're going to find the answers. And I just, I felt very validated by them from the beginning. So in that way, I just, I had the support I needed to begin that journey of finding healing. And honestly, the gift that I have in my mom and have had through this whole thing 
the Lord, I've, I've written in so many birthday cards that I feel like the Lord so specifically placed me as her daughter. Um, and I'm so grateful for her because she is, she has a master's in psychology and she is a, an especially gifted researcher. And she actually is the reason that I found out that I have celiac disease because she had, she read so many books and she figured it out before any doctors ever did. And so she was like, you need to get tested for this. So, um, she's really the reason that I found that out. But really from the very beginning, we, I didn't even know I had celiac for six years into my mental health journey, you know, but she knew what processes were taking place physically in my brain that were changing the way I was perceiving the world. And from the very beginning, she knew that one of the ways that we would approach healing would be medicinally. And that was such a gift for me as a Christian, because as the years have gone on, I've experienced in different Christian circles, this stigma on mental illness that it's, it's very taboo. People don't talk about it. And if you do talk about it, then it's kind of like people equate it to spiritual weakness because we, we, we take, we, we eliminate the component of the physical out of it because it's an intangible thing and it affects the personality that we have. And so we, I've realized that it's easy as spiritual people to kind of isolate mental illness as a purely spiritual issue when it's also a physical one because my brain is an organ. So if I had a heart condition, nobody would be like, well, you shouldn't take medicine for that. You should get up earlier and pray more and read the Bible more and kind of analyze your spiritual disciplines. Um, so you wouldn't say that to somebody with a heart condition. You'd be like, well, you need to go to the doctor and get medicine. And while I know that medicine isn't necessary for everybody that deals with mental illness, there are plenty of circumstantial things and spiritual roots that need to be addressed. Um, in counseling, which I love and have done a lot, um, there is also this other component. And I just had the freedom from the very beginning to not have to really overcome that stigma. I've encountered it along the way and had to kind of go back to the roots that my mom put in me from the beginning. But I just think it's just been the greatest gift for me to be able to walk with that knowledge and that grace for myself to be able to get the help I need from the beginning. So she has just been a massive blessing to me. And I, I wanted to mention that, like I said, counseling is so necessary for a lot of people medicine is necessary for a lot of people. And it was both were necessary for me. I addressed both the spiritual side and the physical side. And that was the only, I remember my doctor saying, I don't think medicine alone is going to cut it for you. Like it's obviously helping, but there's this extra last 20% that you need to address with counseling. And so that was really huge for me to kind of embrace that and to go process with someone because I just think both aspects of healing are so important. So the medicinal journey with mental health is not a perfect one. Um, as you take medicine, your brain adjusts and, and changes and you kind of along the way have to make medicinal changes. You have to change your dose. You have to try a different medicine. And it's so it's kind of a consistent management game. 
And that's been my story um, over the last 12 years. It's, I mean, even, I mean, I still have my doctor's phone number. I can text him if over the course of a couple months, I'm starting to see some kind of change happening again in the way that I'm interacting with people and taking in the world in a way that um, is really affecting the way that I can function. And, um, I mean, I made an adjustment last fall, so it's still something that I have to manage, and I'm just really grateful for the ability to do that. Um, when I was 25, I decided to get off of medicine entirely um, because I had started to feel numb, and that was never the goal. Even with the bad stuff in my life, I just I never had the goal of being numb to it. I just wanted to be able to handle the bad things like a healthy person would be able to handle bad things. So my goal with with my treatment for mental illness was to be myself. Um, so while I wasn't experiencing really low lows at all, I wasn't experiencing the highs either. So I felt like I was kind of missing my life. So I decided I wanted to try to get off of medicine entirely. And uh, I did, and it was um, it was okay uh, for a little bit. But then I had the biggest anxiety attack of my life, and it took over a year to recover from it. Um, I went to Oregon with my uh, to-be husband at the time to meet his parents and to experience the place where he grew up. And there was, it was allergy season and there were new pollens that I hadn't really been <laughs> exposed to before. And so we both got really sick. And so, um, I took Sudafed and I didn't know I'm allergic to Sudafed. And so it, it kind of kickstarted this, this spiral of, of, just men a mental storm for me because my heart rate didn't go. I mean, it was like up in like the one sixties, just sitting down and it didn't go under a hundred for like five days straight. So I was just kind of in this constant state of panic. It's not like a panic attack that you have for a couple hours. It lasted almost a week because I couldn't figure out. I didn't know that it was the Sudafed. <laughs> So I kept taking Sudafed because I wasn't feeling good. And it really, uh, it was, it had such an adverse reaction. And we had these long drives through the mountains that were really beautiful. And I just had all of this time to start questioning everything I knew about my life. Started questioning the existence of God. Um, and I, did I want to marry this guy next to me? And who am I? And um, why am I on earth? And it was just like this existential and practical relational crisis that um, I, it really sent me in a spiral. And I don't know that it's a coincidence that two weeks later I started my dream job at Highlands. Um, I think that the enemy certainly played a role in that. But it was definitely... Um, a difficult transition into ministry because I started in ministry going, I don't, I don't even know what I fully think about God at the time, you know? And so like, who am I to even be here? And I don't, I have no clue what I'm doing. And, um, it was, it was a really tough time for me. Um, even after I got my heart rate under control, my mind was still just spinning. I couldn't calm it down. It was like this kind of constant hamster wheel. 
I stopped being able to trust my own decision-making. So bless my husband. It was just like, I don't know if I want to marry you. Maybe I do want to marry you. I don't know. Please keep hanging out. I, you know, and it was just like, it was such a mess because I just, I was, and I was a mess in every way because I was praying and I was like, I hope you hear me. I hope you're there. If you're not here, I, I don't know if I want to be alive. And it wasn't that I was suicidal. I never really got to that place. I just, maybe that was kind of where I settled with my faith was like, if he's not here, I don't want to be. So I'm going (laughs) to assume he is, you know, and so just make the choice to believe in God and, um, and to walk in ministry. And I, I had really hard days. My, I'd be laying in bed. My heart would be racing, not as high as it was on Sudafed, but still really high. And um, my skin would get really hot and tight. I had a lot of physical symptoms in addition to what was going on in my brain. And it was, it was miserable. And um, I just remember that I feel like the enemy really came against my calling into ministry at the time because it was kind of like, who am I to be doing this? Like ministry is for healthy people, you know, um, how can I make a difference? Uh, and who am I to do that to minister to others when I'm such a mess myself? And, um, you know, my mind did come, keep coming back to that stigma that I'd experienced in other Christian circles. Um, and I, I wasn't giving my leaders enough credit, but I was, I really wasn't. I mean, there's so much, the, the mentality at Highlands on mental illness is different than, than what I'd experienced before. And, and I'm so grateful for that, but I didn't feel like I could really tell my leaders, even though I probably could have, <laughs> Um, what I was going, what was going on in me because I felt like maybe they, I would be kicked out, you know, or told to leave or told that I wasn't fit for ministry. And so I just really kept it to myself. I had a lot of days of kind of getting into a panic and running to the bathroom at, at church and just crying. Cause I was just such a, I was such a mess, but I didn't feel like I could tell anybody. And I I really got to that place where I remember even sitting at my desk just telling the Lord, like, you have to be here. Like, you have to be here and you have to have a purpose for me. And I am just I had to just walk in in that faith and just make a faith decision. And I learned a lot about faith being a choice at the time. And I think one of the strongest decisions that I made, one of the strongest things that I did during that just awful year of my life was just decide that the enemy wasn't going to take my purpose from me. I just decided that if I was willing to be used by God, that he would use me, that his grace was sufficient for me, that his power would be made perfect in my weakness, that what Paul said, you know, he asked God to take this thing away from him over and over again. And then he just decided, okay, well, if you're not going to, then I'm just going to keep doing ministry anyway. And so I was like, okay, Paul, you, me, you know, um, I'm going to do that too, because I, I, I didn't want to be disqualified, and I realized that God didn't want me to disqualify myself either, and I'm so glad that I didn't. I'm so glad that I didn't give up because I get to do so many cool things that I have absolutely no business doing now because I didn't stop then, and um, 
the Lord's just been really faithful with my willingness to show up even when I didn't feel worthy of it. And that's really just become such a message of my life that, um, I don't believe that any struggle disqualifies us from our purpose. I believe God's grace is sufficient for us in any situation. And if we're just willing to show up, um, even if it takes everything in our being just just to show up, that God's going to use that, and He's gonna He's gonna make up the difference that we feel there is. And so, um, I. It, it really, after that experience, after that panic attack, it took me a year and a half to really start to feel like myself again. I got a new doctor, and he is amazing. My doctor is basically like Dr. House for mental health. He's a medical doctor who is like a problem solver. He has a he specializes in mental health, so he's an MD with and has a normal like general practice, but he has a ton of mental health patients. And he's just unwilling to settle for for less than than well for me. And so I'm really grateful for that because he's like, I'm not really happy with where you're at. So he's helping me make adjustments and has helped me so much along the way. But he had his work cut out for him when I when I first came to to his practice because that that situation had just done a lot of damage and so it was a journey of of just trying new things and being willing to go to counseling being willing to do lots of different things and try new medicine and see how it worked and honestly I think I think I just kept showing up there too and I, I just in 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 the fight for mental health, it is an ongoing, like I said, it's a management thing. And I just didn't give up. And I, I think that that's something that somebody will try one or two medicines and be like, well, this doesn't work for me. And it's like, well, you can't give up on that. There are four neurotransmitters in your brain that de- that determine the way that you process life in general and, um, and, and determine your thought life to a certain extent granted like remember there is a spiritual component but um there's truly a physical component as well and um a lot of mental health medication most mental health medication addresses one of those which is serotonin and um when i went to see my doctor there's a genetic test that you can take it's a spit test normally you don't kind of get to see what's actually going on in your brain. And, and while, while it's not like he can't look at it and go, she needs this amount of this and this amount of this, he can get a pretty good idea of what's happening in my brain. And we realized that serotonin medication alone wasn't going to be what, help, what I needed help with because I had issues with norepinephrine and dopamine as well. And so I think that a lot of people get stuck on their mental health journey because they go to a general practitioner and they say, okay, well, this is the newest serotonin medicine. And they don't even say that this is the newest mental health medication. Why don't you try it and see? And so most people may have only ever tried a medicine that affects serotonin levels, not found success in it, and then given up because that's the extent of the treatment that they've received. And so, um, 
that was a huge learning curve for me too. Cause I was like, man, I had no clue. <laughs> um, but for me, it ended up needing to be kind of, um, I had to take a couple of different medications because they address different things. It affects everything. My calling to be a wife and a mom is, is, you know, foundational to my life. And if it affects the way that I can do that, then I have to keep pursuing health so that I can be who God created me to be in every area of my life. So my mom, yeah, like I said, she, she never, she always says that none of us should ever settle for less than well. And so that was, that's a mantra that I live my life by. And if I'm, if I'm doing less than well, then I'm going to go back. We need to keep going back and keep showing up for the people around us, for the purpose God's given us. (laughs) And honestly, I experienced a lot of spiritual healing as well. So medicine's been huge, but counseling's been huge. And just God's really intervened, um, spiritually as well. During 21 days of prayer in 2016, I was really unhappy with where I was mentally and really afraid of getting back to that place where I had been having another big episode like that and having to start over. And on day 19 of that 21 days, I remember after worship, just walking back to the soundboard, my husband's audio engineer, and I just said, I think God just healed me. I'm just going to, we're going to go with that. And, um, and I, that day I really felt the Lord just say, you're never going to be that sick again. And he's been so faithful to that promise. Um, and I have just totally walked in that. So even though I've had a step back here and there, it's always been two steps forward after that. Like there's just been forward motion ever since. And I am healthier now than I have ever been since the beginning of this journey. And I'm so, I'm just so grateful for that. My sister told me, she was like, I feel like you're more yourself than you've been since your junior year of high school. And that's been such a, a relief for me and such a, such a gift. But I mean, it's been a 12 year journey with that. And, um, I, I really think that the Lord has developed faith and perseverance in my life. Um, and I've realized the power of, of, of believing that he's willing to use broken people, um, to just when we show up. So, um, and I, and I, I remember, um, one of the worst days, uh, when I was really, really sick, I was kind of curled up in a ball in uh, the corner of my room. I was kind of rocking back and forth. And I was just, I just told the Lord, like, I'm going to choose to believe Philippians 1, 6, that the one who began a work in me is going to carry it on to completion. Like you're going to carry me out of this. But I told him, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to look back at this time. And like, you know, like the whole like footprints, like classic Christian (laughs) mentality of like, that's the moment you were carrying me. I was like, I am never going to be able to look back at this and say that. And I can't, I can honestly say, I still don't, I'm not like, yeah, he carried me. But, um, I remember praying even during that, like two years later, 
I was praying about it and I was like, I still don't get it. Like, I still don't know where you were. I, I, I mean, I, I get that you've moved me forward, but like you really let me live in that place where I was just hanging on by a thread for so long. And I don't, I don't understand it. And just in that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit was just like, how do you think you were able to hang on by a thread? And I, that was a really kind of transformational moment for me that the way that I was able to hold on to my sanity at all was really that he was holding on to it for me because I was trusting him with it. And, um, maybe I don't, I still don't necessarily feel carried through that season, but I know that he sustained me and I'm, I'm so, so grateful for that. Um, so I turned 30 in September and I love big birthdays. People are like, I don't want to turn 30. I'm like, 30 is amazing because I'm going to make so many fewer bad decisions in this decade. (laughs) And um, it's like, I have like this new lease on life now. Um, But just in evaluating at that milestone, I've just realized as I've just been reflecting on what the Lord's carried me through and the purpose that he's allowed me to walk in even through all of it, um, in the midst of the mess and the pain of it and my own weakness that I've really come to a place of settling in to what King David said in Psalm 138, that the Lord will accomplish his purpose for my life. I used to be really afraid that I'd miss it. Like I'd make the wrong decision and I'd marry the wrong person. And let me just say that I did not marry the wrong person. Um, After all of that, um, Luke, you know, I've talked about several different saving graces for me and he has been the one of the biggest gifts of my life because he is the steadiest person that I know and as you have heard I am not necessarily naturally bent towards being steady and um he's just been such a rock for me and just loved me through it and I've had moments of being really awful to him and he's just like the most resilient human on earth and uh So I I was really kind of afraid that I would make a bad decision and and marry the wrong person. And I can tell you that the Lord did not let that happen. And I'm just, I've come to rest in the truth that... I'm, if I'm if I'm willing to show up and I'm and my heart is open that he's he's gonna accomplish what he intended from the beginning for me to do and even if I do kind of take a misstep here and there he's gonna he's gonna refocus me because my heart is for him to be able to do whatever it is I, it, that he wants to do in me. I don't want to do anything that he hasn't called me to do. And so I'm not going to insist on my way. So I, I've just, I'm, I'm so settled in that now. And I, there's a, a line in Amazing Grace that I love um, and it's twas grace that brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home and I I just that's how I'm living my life now is just resting in his grace that it's sufficient for me and he's gonna do what he's always intended to do Um, so that's my story 
I love Katie's reminder that we need to keep showing up for the people around us for the purpose God's given us. That's what I'm going to tell myself on those days when it's hard to get out of bed. Thank you for joining us for Katie's story today. And we'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can find us on social media at Storytellers Live or on our website. And again, we'd be so appreciative if you get a chance to take that survey that's on our website, which is StorytellersLive.org. So we're grateful for all of you and we hope you'll join us again soon.